Hey guys, and welcome back to another series of the boring shit you need to know in business. I'm Amy Bajada, and I'm excited because this series, there's going to be more topics, more conversation, and some amazing business owners to share this time with. So let's jump in. Today, I'm joined by Neil Lofts from EasyPack, a 3PL and rework solutions business. Neil and I have known each other for a very long time, and that would probably be an understatement, um, but I'm really glad you've stopped by for a chat today. I'm happy to be here, Amy. Today, I wanted to talk all things logistics, so let's get started. First of all, for those playing at home, tell us about EasyPack and what 3PL and Rework is. Well, at EasyPack, we are a, a warehousing storage 3PL company, and what we do is that we act as a third party, hence the, the term 3PL. We act as a third party to do the things that they can't do themselves. In other words, they, in a business situation where they are either growing their business or their business is, is getting big, and they choose not to do it themselves because a lot of people in business are experts in a particular field. They might be experts in marketing or selling a product. And therefore, when it comes down to doing the nitty gritty of getting their stuff together, getting their products together, they either don't have the feel for it or it becomes a bit difficult for them. So they they come upon a company like us and we take that away. And we, we are the experts at doing that sort of thing, doing the logistics. You guys are kind of in a position like me, you know, all that sexy stuff, the marketing and all of that sort of stuff people love to do about their businesses. But when it comes down to the nitty gritty or mine with numbers, but yours certainly with the logistics and being able to get their products out, that's the boring stuff for them. And they don't know necessarily how to, to do that or do that at the best capacity. So it's great that they're a company things like easy pack out there that are able to help facilitate that sort of process. Yes, yes, that, that's exactly. And, and, and quite often um, people, they sort of they go along in business and they reach a point where they think, oh, how do I get bigger or how do I take the pressure off? How can I free my time up? No. When they find us, they're, they're so grateful because that it allows them to do what they do best in their business. Uh, a good example is a company called Little Wee Were. They, they sell mats for, for, for children and uh, they basically grew up in their garage and they, their business was booming. And then they had to make this decision, how do we gather and gain all this benefit of the work that we've done? And then they, they basically handed over all their stock to us to put in our warehouse and they grew their business. And not only did they grow their business, they grew that to such an extent that they've actually now got a a warehouse in Singapore, and all we do all of the Australian operations here. Hundreds and hundreds of orders come through, and uh, we pick and pack them and get them ready and send them out for them. Those stories aren't too dissimilar to a lot of business owners that I find myself speaking to. You know, they start in their garage. They've got really great products and uh, available, and the the actual flow of products out the door is is huge and they get to a point where they're not quite sure what the next step is. And I it was refreshing to hear you say that Little Weewa not only saw it as an opportunity to help grow their business from the distribution side of it, but I'm assuming that it also freed them up as business owners to work on the business rather than in the business. Yes, exactly right. They've actually expanded their business because they spend more time on marketing uh, and that's because they can focus on that. They don't have to spend, uh, you know, two or three nights in a row up till 12, one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning, just picking and packing the goods. Yeah. Now they can just concentrate on doing the sales. Yeah. And 
it works very well for them as well. Can I ask you, like I speak to a lot of business owners, pricing is huge, right? So when I'm working with business owners, we talk a little bit about pricing. And one of the things that I find the business owners neglect when they're when they've got product-based businesses that are based out of their homes and they're up till midnight or they've got garages full of stock that they're actually facilitating that process themselves. I find that a lot of business owners, when they're doing the pricing, they forget to price their own labor in. So I can imagine when they come to somewhere like Easy Pack, that all of a sudden you you guys would have to price in some labor component. Is that yeah. is that a bit of a shock? Not necessarily to the customers that you've um, just spoken with, but you know, do customers receive that well or do they understand that now that's a new component to their costing? Yes. And I suppose this this emulates emulates from the fact that when people first go into business, all they want to do is provide a service, have a product, and quite often they will do the extra mile to get this done. And in doing that extra mile, they don't cost the processes properly. So when you talk about new businesses that are based on passion, they're based on love, this is something that is is a hard uh, pill to swallow sometimes, and that is that they have to be very, very honest and accurate about the time that they spend in doing their work. For example, if they stay up till one o'clock in the morning doing a job, that has to be costed in as part of the process when they do their costings. Yeah, and the reality of the situation is we don't do that generally as business owners, do we? In anything that we do, when we're working on our business, like you said, they're trying to keep costs low. They're thinking that by staying up to one, two o'clock in the morning that they're saving money, when in actual fact they're expending their time in essence and, you know, their clarity as business owners gets weighed down a little bit, you know, Mm. I would imagine when you're that exhausted and no wonder people run out of steam very early. But I can see the shock when they would come to someone like Easy Pack that, would incorporate those costs because I'm a cost person myself. It doesn't surprise me, but it, it would be a, a real shock factor when people are thinking about the costing. But it's great to see that a business like Easy Pack is so detailed in their approach so that, you know, it's eyes wide open for every business owner to really understand what's involved in the process. Yes. However, most of the time when people do get to the point of coming to us, they've sorted that all out. And they've got a track record of being successful and getting the numbers. And so once they come to us, it's more about fine-tuning it. And in some cases, what they tend to do is they tend to add an extra cost uh, involved with the 3PL so that their customers know that they're getting a better service, but it is a little bit more costly because the the time that we spend on doing all of these things is a cost that uh, is not necessarily familiar. Yeah, and I can see that because they would have just not ignored it. I think they're very much aware of it as business owners, but sometimes it's just not a priority to put in there because it doesn't look good in essence. Mm. And that then plays into a whole stack of other things as business owners in terms of, well, have you got your price point right, you know, to get it out to your customer and so on. So that's great from a, a... logistics perspective for a, a 3PL company if people go down that path what sort of you know you've you've been in logistics for a very long time what sort of recommendations would you see for those businesses that aren't necessarily quite at that point of getting the services of say easy pack but they're still at that infancy stage where they're they're finding their feet 
you know, if you could give three different key solid pieces of advice that they could potentially use? I think the the, the first step is that obviously, which is an obvious one, is planning, is is knowing your process because sometimes, look, we, we all do things certain ways and sometimes you've got to sometimes get people from outside looking at what you're doing so that they can say, look, perhaps if you did it this way, did it that way, maybe better. So therefore you you look at, okay, how do we how do we plan, how do we run our processes? That's the first thing. So if, if you're a successful entrepreneur and you're doing it yourself, you will be well aware of all the pitfalls that you fall into with, with time wasting and, and stuff that you probably don't need to do, but you do it. Making a plan is probably the most essential thing so that you you understand where you want to be and you understand where you are now and you understand that these are the steps that need to be taken to get to where you want to go. And and invariably, if you're a small business and you are planning, what comes into play in that plan is, okay, how do we grow and outsource our processes? And that's the thing that you've re- really got to look at quite carefully. And that's when you get back to yourself, ask yourself the questions, are what we're doing, is it the best way? And, and look, it, it's, it could be a simple little thing like if you're running a business from home, just the this year, the fact that you've got no room creates an extra extra cost and, and time in, in doing the processes that you do. So therefore, we take that away and therefore that becomes a cost saving in outsourcing. Mm. So these sorts of things are something that you must put into a planning process uh, so you know where you're going. So it's really identifying those non-essential tasks, eliminating those where you can, and then identifying what's left over as where you can outsource potentially or improve efficiencies in that plan. Yes, yes, yeah. that's that's exactly right, yes. I suppose the the other side, look, there's, a, there's two other points that are, that are very pertinent from now. Like the plan is, is the first one, but the second one is getting your transportation right and the good thing about the 3PL industry and pickpack industry is that there's been great advancement in transport companies and how they handle freight. Uh, you know, people like Australia Post and Couriers Please and all this, they're getting very, very good at handling stock and products because during COVID, people were just buying online and, and it's just a natural thing now. So their systems and their, their processes are much, much better. So as a small business owner, you do know who are the best transport companies in your area. Because one of the things that does crop up a lot of times is that we get people saying, oh, yes, look, uh, we've, we've got this transport company. We've got Sandal. We've got this. We've got that. And they're fantastic. They're really, really cheap. For, for me, it, it raises alarm bells because <laughs> what happens is that if you've got a cheap transport company here on your back door, it doesn't necessarily equate to that company being good on the other side of Australia. And that tends to happen a lot. In other words, what I'm saying is that you might have a really good local carrier just around the corner from you who does a fantastic job, but their services fall down because the carrier that they give it to or the end end business that they give it to to distribute in Western Australia or in, in Queensland is not good and, it's, and they're very slack. Therefore, your, your customer judges you on how it's delivered to his premises or how it's delivered to his house. So you've got to be aware of what 
are and who are the best transport companies in the areas. Are you allowed to ask those sorts of questions? Like, are those things known? So say, for example, uh, if you've got a local courier, do they disclose who may they may use? Uh, well, the, 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 obviously, the transport companies don't disclose that. And the reasons why they don't disclose it is because they, they often change contractors quite regularly, so therefore they don't know who's going to be good, who's not going to be good. And again, uh, that's, a, that's a play to keep the costs low so that they can maintain their margins and the margins. Yes, yes, yes. That's right, and 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 I suppose that one of the things that sort of you you learn in the in the in the transport industry is there's lots of swings and roundabouts, and and I think it was um, I think it was uh, Amazon.com they they put out a huge contract which was won by I think Australia Post, and in the wash up of them doing the job, what happened was that Australia Post were subcontracting their work out to. A local carrier might have been Fastway or something like that. So Fastway, they got the business anyway, but they got it via Australia Post. And sometimes that happens vice versa. Fastway can't service an area, so they'll give it to Australia Post, even though you haven't contract, contracted with Australia Post, but it, that's the way it gets there okay. because it's the best way to go there. So in essence, what we've found is that for us, Australia Post are probably the most reliable in the sense that if you have a customer in outback Western Australia or outback Queensland, you always know that there's going to be a post office nearby. Um, whereas if you go to uh, a national carrier, they may not have a depot within 300 kilometres of where the parcel's going. So therefore, if the parcel isn't delivered, it goes back to the depot. Mm -hmm. You've got to find your way to get to the depot to pick it up, which may be 300 k's away. All of these things come into play, and 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 I it reflects back on the on the business that sends the product out because the customer sees the fact that this parcel hasn't arrived, and the first thing they do they get on the phone and say, "Look, it hasn't arrived. What's going on?" And then you've got to go through the process of finding out where it is, who's delivering it, and that's why the the, the tracking and tracing numbers are very important. And Australia Post have a very good record with tracking and tracing. I mean, it's not to say that Australia Post never make mistakes. I mean, they, they obviously, with the amount of work that they do, they do make mistakes. However, what we've found over the, uh, over the journey of, of Pick and Pack and 3PL is that they're, they're very, very minimal with the number of mistakes they make uh, in comparison with other, other couriers. So they're not necessarily the cheapest. Uh, they are the cheapest in some areas. I mean, most parcels under 500 grams anywhere in Australia, they you can't get near Australia Post. But other larger parcels, there are cheaper companies, but they their service may not be as good. Most small businesses have gone through this headache already. They go through their headache because they've had this bad experience. Then, because when they come to us, we advise them and we probably tend to use the carrier's that are best suit to them. So that's the second yep. phase. The, the third phase is, um, which is also sort of part of this, and that is that with technology, most businesses now have got fantastic software available so that you can set up an online business very easily. And if you come across to us, it becomes seamless because we adapt most of the systems that, you, that, the, that the smaller businesses have. And it becomes seamless so that there's no difference to the customer, whether it comes from us or it comes from the 
company. So, yeah, um, online businesses really took off. And I think the ease at which they could get anything online and the, the, the interfaces with which they were able to use with different website interfaces and all that sort of stuff, small businesses really exploded, especially during COVID. People yeah, saw yeah, a real yeah, opportunity yeah. there. Yeah. I guess just touching on a couple of your points about distribution in particular, I find it's hard for small business owners and, you know, to be able to get really great rates given the volume that they have, even though from an individual business, it may seem massive for them. Uh, Sometimes these companies, including Australia Post, don't offer necessarily large discounts or, you know, rates that are reasonable. And I often, when I talk about pricing and talk about absorbing those sorts of costs, it, it's about getting real about it. But I, I would imagine that a company like EasyPack would would have the benefit of fault, I guess, yes, in essence, yes. even if it's not for the individual company that they're talking about, you would have that relationship enough to be able to pass on to these smaller businesses some better rates even. Yes, well, uh, the, the one of the key factors about us and our relationships with the, with the carriers is that the carriers come to our warehouse every day. Um, so what happens is that every day Australia Post come in about lunchtime and then they come in about three o'clock. Anybody, it doesn't matter which business, which one of our customers, if the stock's ready to go, it goes straight away. You don't have to call them up. They come automatically. Whether, whether Because we've got so much going through our warehouse, they arrive um, the drivers arrive and they fill up and away they go so that you as the customer know that the product is going to be sent out on the day that it's ordered. And, and that in itself is, is a real bonus because if you're running your business yourself at home, you've got to spend that time to put it in the car, go down to the local carrier or go down to the post office and then send it off. Now, that time is time that's wasted in the process Whereas what we do is that we have, you know, all the TNT, the Fastways, the Couriers, Please, Australia Post, they come past our warehouse doors every day. And uh, if they've got any stock that they need or that's being used by their customers, they just pick it up and away they go. Yeah, and I can see some real benefits in that. You know, it's funny when you talk about the whole walking down to the post office and and that side of things. Again, it's it's one of those laughable, well, not laughable, I, I tend to chuckle a little bit because a lot of business owners don't see that as part of the the process in itself, but there's a real cost associated with that. And being a yes, numbers yeah. person, I I definitely can see that. So oh, that's some really good hints, you know, and tips that people really should think about when they're thinking about the logistics in their business. You know, I, I touched earlier on the fact that, you know, there's this real connection between a 3PL company like yourself and bigger business. Is that a myth? Like can small, is, is it no, it's not, not a because we've dealt with quite a number of large companies. And one of the things that comes across is that they rely on us with decision making. If they have a job that needs to be done, quite often they will lean on our experience to get the job done in the best possible and the cheapest possible way. And that just comes with years of experience. If you are if you are talking about logistics, we one of our customers who we've been with now for quite a while, is a company called Bellabox. And what they do, and to give you an example of the sorts of logistics that you've got to, you've got to do, is that they might send out 25,000 boxes. They're actually 
a subscription box per month. Now, in that 25,000, there's usually around about eight different samples. So, so you can imagine what's coming into our receiving areas as all of these, these samples. Now, out of those 25,000 boxes, there might be 20 different combination boxes or more. So that logistically, what we have to do is that when the stock arrives, we've got to allocate it to the correct box that it's going out in. And sometimes, you know, we, we might have as many as 30 or 40 products, if not more. So we've got to allocate them into those 25,000 boxes. So the logistics involved in that is, is quite enormous because with Bellabox, they have a customer base whereby some of their customers may require cosmetics that are for fair-haired people or for fair-skinned people. So therefore, they've got to have a particular product in their box, whereas somebody that's got oily skin or dark skin or dark hair they have another product. So we've got to effectively sort out every one of those boxes according to what the customer needs and wants. So that definitely confirms that as a big business, they would go to an external 3PL. But what about these smaller businesses? Say, for example, subscription boxes is a perfect example because I know there was quite a few of them that started up during the pandemic or a lot of people try to get the subscription boxes off the ground, but they realize there's a lot of work involved as you've just described, whether it be at 25,000 as a volume or even 20 as a volume to get out of your, you know, garage. Is there a place in a company like yours or other 3PL companies for small businesses that are wanting to, if they do choose to outsource that sort of process, even at a smaller volume, maybe not 20, but certainly at a smaller volume, is there a place for them? Yes, absolutely, because in our processes, in our daily processes, uh, whether we do 20 orders or 200 or 2,000 orders or 20,000 orders, it's still a process for us and and we we only charge for the time that we do we take to do it. So whether we're working on customer A or customer B, we're still doing the processes so that a small company, uh, we're quite happy to take on small companies because of that reason. And... We anticipate that a lot of these small companies are going to get bigger and uh, we want to go along for the ride Mm. with them because uh, some of our customers have grown enormously since coming across to us. And that's, that's due to the fact that they know where they stand with us. They know what we can do, how we can do it, when we can do it, which means that they can then focus on other areas of their business. And that's probably uh, sometimes it may be just a part-time business for these Mm. people. However, it does free up their time enormously. And I love the fact that there's this real connection for small business owners in that whole model. They get use of the big business stuff. They get use of being able to store their stock in a warehouse that's compatible with being able to store their stock without having to pay for the whole warehouse, I'm assuming. And then the same thing, like you said, you're getting the expertise of the packers, that will still do the process and they're only paying for that time. They're not paying for the packers to be standing around doing nothing. So there's, there's nothing actually wasted in a small business investigating an opportunity to be able to outsource. It's just, it's just the reality of a small business being able to understand fully that there's a, there's still an additional cost connection because we don't, like we explored before, we don't necessarily factor that in all the time. No, that, that's yeah. exactly right. The joys and enjoyment you get out of running your own business, it just, you just can't explain it. And uh, I think that there, there is a point where 
it can wear you down. It can it can really get tough. Look, the reason, and it was, it was funny because I heard this the other day, the reasons why businesses, a lot of small businesses don't succeed, it's not because it's not a good idea. It's not because they're not doing the right thing. It's because in a lot of cases that the, the owners run out of energy. Mm. And that in itself explains to a lot of people, look, as a small business owner, you've got to consistently have that energy to drive and run because you, every day you're faced with different problems and you've got to have the energy and the expertise and the, the know-how to fix those. And you can only do that if you've allowed yourself the comfort of giving yourself time to think about these things. And uh, I was quite surprised to find out that the reasons why most businesses closed down was because the owners ran out of energy. Yeah, that that doesn't surprise me because we try to take on so much. I know myself as a small business, I could probably outsource, whilst I don't have stock, but I could outsource a lot of what I do and I should be outsourcing a lot of what I do, but sometimes we just take it on board and we and we run with it. And mm. I, you know, you talk about this passion, especially from a products perspective with business owners, and I can see that they they find it difficult to let that that go at times. But even with the examples that you've already provided with some of your clients, they pro- they too probably found it difficult to let it go in the beginning. But all of a sudden, the benefits outweighed that concept of wanting to hold on tighter to their baby because they didn't know if anyone else was going to be able to treat it the same way. So it's it's really good to hear that there's an opportunity out there for those that are wanting to take a bit of a leap. And it's not, it's not it shouldn't be too scary to do that sort of thing because it's only going to benefit them in the long run in the event that they want a bigger business from from their, I guess, their business itself. So I think it's great. I would love to, though, Neil, at this point, I know we're talking about logistics, but I'd love to learn a little bit more about rework as well. Yes, yes, yes. Do you want to tell me a well, little bit about that? Okay. With with rework, it's it's a very interesting area. And, and look, to be quite honest, is it's not as big as what it used to be. Uh, and the reason why that is is because a lot of the overseas uh, suppliers are doing a better job, in, in mainly in, in China many years ago. There was a lot of errors made by the suppliers, and it might be just something stupid like putting a wrong barcode on a product or, or packing the wrong thing in, the, in a container or in a, in a carton, little things like that, or not putting, a, not putting a, a dangerous goods label on, all of those things. Now, what, what happens is that this work many years ago used to be done with companies who had excess staff, they'd say, oh, look, we've got a problem here. We'll give it to the uh, the team down the back who've got nothing to do, and away they went. Then it got to the point where a lot of these companies realised that employing these people that may only work a small portion of the week, they decided that it's better to outsource that sort of work. And that's where a lot of work came to us for things like a, a product might come in, say, for a, a toy company, and it might have been a simple little product that, it was sold to all of the majors, Coles, Woolworths, Target, all these things. Now, what would happen is that one of these companies would buy, would sell a lot more than the other. So what would happen is that we'd, you'd have to convert your Target stock into Woolworths stock, which meant that it needed a new package, a new label, whatever. So what we would do is that we would do that work for them. They would send us all the stock. And what we would do is we would repack it into the correct packaging material and then send it back to them. And that was that was a reworked job that we did. And that sort of thing used to happen a lot. These days, it doesn't happen as much, but it still happens because mistakes are still made. 
And there's a need in the marketplace because, once again, people who are encountered with that problem don't know where to get it fixed, and that's where, once they find out about us, we, we often get a lot of repeat business simply because we can do it and we have experienced staff uh, that have been with me for over 20 years and they, they're just very, very good at what they do. And quite often these companies that have these problems will ask us, what's the best way to fix this? And, and it's not it's not always an error in the product, is it? It could be, no. that, say, for example, if I, if I got a packet of 20 pencils but I wanted to split them up into lots of five. Yes. You, that's rework as well, isn't absolutely, it? It's, absolutely, absolutely. Not that the pencils are in any error at all. It just, I've got somewhere to go that you guys can actually just do it all for me without me having to sit there and count them out and put them in new packets and all of that sort of stuff. Is that right? Correct. We, we have some amazing little jobs. I mean, one time we had to, I think we had to check about 50,000 balls and these were the balls that you probably you've probably seen them when you when you throw them on the ground a light comes on. Oh, that would once have been fun. Hit, once you hit the ground, so we had to quality check you know fifty thousand of these balls. So we had to basically bounce every one of these balls to make sure that the light worked, and <laughs> and and uh, isolate the ones that didn't. So that that's a job that uh, you know once again they they could have done it in house, but then they would take away people from their main task and, and that really wasn't what they wanted to do and it's much cheaper for them to outsource the job. So By the time you got to the 50,000th ball, was it boring or were you still yeah, enjoying was, the process? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, look, it's interesting sometimes these jobs, it's interesting to find out what percentage of errors there are. And, look, in most cases there's not a lot of errors but it's just the fact that if a company is sending out a product that's faulty, the, the feedback that they get today is, is very, very critical because of social media. So therefore, these companies are very well aware that they've got to get quality right. So some of the rework that we do is, is quality checking, mm. just making sure that products are in good condition and they're actually what they're supposed to be. Yeah. And uh, we quite often get a, a few jobs like that. Do also, it. things like uh, show bags. Oh, yes. Quite often around, uh, I mean, show bags had a disastrous year last year because of COVID. But in essence, um, somebody's got to, put, got to put the show bags together. Mm. And we do that, that work as well. Okay. Did you find that with COVID, while we talk about COVID, getting stock from overseas would have been tough? And so a lot of would there have been more rework in Australia? No, I, I think what happened with COVID, the main shift was that people got into the, got used to buying things from home and they got used to buying things online. So what actually happened with the 3PL industry was a real bonus for the 3PL industry because people then, they lost their fear of buying products online because they couldn't really go out and shop and so therefore they found that it was easy. And the service is quite good. And the couriers and the, the transport companies are getting very, very good at delivering. So that was a bonus. Uh, as far as stock goes, we did have instances where stock may have taken a lot longer to get to Australia for whatever reason. Yeah, which um, everyone was experiencing. I think that began. Yeah, that's right. And, and look, the other thing too is that if, if, we, if, you, if you reflect back on the growth of the 3PL industry, when we first started in this 
in this area, there was an expectation that customers would want their products within 24 hours. And because that was the catch cry of people like Amazon.com and yeah. or, or, or companies that would say, oh, we'll get it to you within 24 hours. What we've found is that now the customer realises that this sometimes is logistically not possible due to the fact that Australia Post, because of COVID restrictions, were only allowed to put half their staff on and therefore delivery times were a lot longer. But we didn't didn't really get many complaints from customers because customers realised that it's going to take a little bit longer. Now, the expectation of getting something the next day, I believe, is not there anymore because people are being realistic about what the logistics actually are, particularly if you're sending stuff from Melbourne to Western Australia or Northern Queensland, people understand that it it does take maybe four or five days to get there. Yeah, I think COVID created a calmer customer experience. (laughs) Yes, it did. The expectation was adjusted a little, which it was probably long overdue because customers can arc up way too quickly without yep. understanding yep. the process, I guess. So, yep. but Neil, I wanted to thank you so much. You've provided some really great insights into the logistics industry, especially for small businesses and the things that they really need to, to think about. So thank you so much for joining me. I really do appreciate it. a pleasure. It. All right. Okay. Talk with you soon. Thank you. Thank you, Amy. Bye. And that's it guys for another episode of the boring shit you need to know about business. I'm Amy Bajada and I'll see you next time.